Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broder. We're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson himself. Pete, how the devil are you doing today? I'm good, Chris. I've had a busy week, but it's been a busy week full of fun and games. I went to the zoo. I, um, uh, yeah, that's about it. I went to the zoo. <laughs> that's all I've got for you, mate. That's all I've got for you. Did a couple of podcasts about the football, released me Bernie podcast, and yeah, just, just been kind of stressing out about that ever since, to be quite frank. <laughs> Tell us about the zoo. Was this your, this your birthday the present, zoo. wasn't it? Your late birthday it, present. W- well, kind of. I, I went to the zoo a month ago. I, I uh, My partner bought me a, a ticket to the zoo for my birthday. Birthday, and I bought her a ticket to the zoo uh, just because. And so we went to the zoo twice in a month. Wow. And I think that means we go on a list of some sort. Um, I think I used to work at a zoo and the sort of kind of people who were really obsessed with the zoo deserve to be on lists. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. They're just a little bit too keen, a little bit too keen. Do you get like a special stamp card for going to the zoo, like getting a, a Costa, like getting a Costa coffee or a Starbucks coffee, the same sort of thing? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not here to like advertise Portland because at the end of the day, I paid full price for it. But uh, good God, what an experience that is. Like massive, massive amount of space, uh, animals, you know, in, in, in great conditions. And, and uh, yeah, she's got little baby rhinos running around all over the gaff. It's brilliant. I mean, for our listeners that don't know, Pete used to work at a zoo. Um, he was mm. friends with the the chimpanzees. Was it, what was the what were the breed of monkeys? What were they? What the the variety? We had loads. What, mate, we had, Tricos had an insane amount of primates. We had gippons. We had old world <laughs> monkeys. We had new world monkeys. <laughs> we had uh, bonobos, which you don't see very often. That kind of weird um, fourth ape that no one no one talked about up until um, sort of nineteen twelve or something. <laughs> I just, I just I love to think like in an alternate reality it's just you just working at a zoo with the monkeys and I would look, dreaming I of being be a podcast if, 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 host. If it paid <laughs> if it paid any kind of money, uh, I wouldn't be against it. But uh, it is vocational, uh, and I, I can't speak for Portland, but certainly uh, the, the, the zoo that I used to work at um, certainly paid people um, for their passions, but didn't pay them particularly well. <laughs> so oh, it's probably not great. great crushing the dreams, crushing the dreams of zoologists and vets the world over. Well, more, more than a jet teacher. Let's make that very clear. <laughs> <laughs> it's not hard to be honest. Although to be fair. Yeah, the jet program 
it's paid in yen, right? And when I came here, I mm. think it was about £30,000 or $32,000. But then mm. the year I arrived, 2012, Shinzo Abe, the then Prime Minister, did some sort of Arbonomics, he called it. It was really clever. It was Shinzo Abe plus economics equals Arbonomics, yeah. except it was shit. Basically, he like made the, the yen like worthless, so my salary went right. from £30,000 to about £20,000 in the space of six right. months. And from what okay. I understand, it didn't really work. I'm not sure, but I wasn't happy about that. But sorry, mate. It's, it's tragic. But uh, I, still... I'm sorry about your wage ten years ago, <laughs> seven years ago. <laughs> Crack out! I'm sorry, tissues. mate. <laughs> Crack out! I mean, it's been a funny old week, though. I did release the 12 reasons not to move to Japan video. It's been a long time coming, hey. and you've definitely watched it, haven't you, Pete? You loved definitely. it, didn't you? Every last oh, from number one to number eleven. You know what, Chris? <laughs> I'd even go so far to say that I was a big fan of number twelve as well. All the reasons not to move to Japan, all of them, all went in my head, and I enjoyed every last second of it. You didn't watch it, did <laughs> you? I've been busy. I've been at the zoo. You've been in Chris. the zoo. I'll, well, I'll watch it. As, I'll get it's on. I've not been on my little elliptical trainer. So I've not watched any YouTube. I've not. I've not caught up with Linus Tech Tips, the wacky things they're doing with technology and graphics cards and stuff like that. I've not caught up with the lock picking lawyer. I've not caught up with the man who um, uh, fixes shoes in Tring. <laughs> it's just <laughs> I'm behind on all of it. Well, it's quite all right, Pete, because we're going to talk about okay. it in this week's podcast. Uh, for those of you, we do have a lot of um, listeners that don't watch the Broad Japan channel, more like podcast listeners. You guys like listen to the podcast. Right. And we can sort of talk about things I didn't cover in the video. I can go above and beyond some of the stuff I said. As I've said in the past, I'm more open on podcast than I am in video because you can't comment, believe a podcast. I can get away <laughs> with saying anything. That's how it works. You definitely can't <laughs> record it. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, but first things first, we've got a story here from Maximilian Shug. He says, Hi, Chris and Pete. I just finished listening to the current episode where you guys talked about the Japanese media and how they tow the party line and uh, tend to fall in line with the politicians. I thought it might interest Pete and you that the five biggest newspapers in Japan are still selling massive amounts of daily newspapers, the biggest of which, the Yomiuri Shimbun, is selling a whopping 8 million copies of its morning paper. Whereas the smallest, the Sankei Shimbun, is still selling a million copies a day. That is pretty impressive, given mm. how in most of the world, papers are just going out of fashion. Like, certainly, mm. I don't remember the sensation of holding a newspaper. I remember th- thinking it was very unpleasant, though. It's very cumbersome and annoying. So, um, as a point of comparison, the biggest Western non-tabloid newspaper based on daily sales is, as far as I'm aware, the US Today, with 2 million copies, which is less than any of the four Japanese newspapers uh, bigger than the Sanke Shimbun. Um, and the other papers are Yomiuri, Mainichi, and Nikkei. Of course, they do more than just print newspapers these days. Most of the big newspaper companies own their own TV stations. Uh, but what I still can't quite believe is the fact that Yomiuri company owns uh, a, sa- a sadly not newspaper-themed amusement park called Yomiuri oh. Land. Yomiuri Land, sorry. Uh, that's allegedly 30 minutes from Shinjuku. Has either of you ever been to Yomiuri Land? If not, what would you expect <laughs> a newspaper-owned amusement park to be like? Greeks from Munich, uh, Maximilian Shug. I've not been to Yomiuri Land. Do you, have you heard of this place, Pete? <laughs> it's, no, I've never heard of it uh, in my life. I just like the fact that it would be, uh, I mean, I'm imagining like a big dipper ship, like a printing press. <laughs> They'd have Ink World, where you would swim around in ink. And that's about all I can think of right now. And I imagine that it, it, probably less thought went into creating it in the first place. 
Well, I'm looking at it now, and it, it actually looks like a, a fully fleshed out theme park. It's got a big wheel. Mm. It's got two or three roller coasters. It looks quite good. This is so weird. Yeah. How did I know this? What makes it, what makes it new, newspaper related? Though? I don't understand. Is it all made out of paper? It's, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it says, Yomiuri Land is a Japanese amusement park first opened in 1964. It's situated on a hillside and features rides such as roller coasters and water flumes. It's home to Yomiuri Giant Stadium, one of the training fields for the Yomiuri Giants baseball team and was the primary training ground before Tokyo Dome was completed. It's run by Yomiuri Group, the parent of Yomiuri Shimbun, and was constructed... Uh, they've constructed a bathhouse as well to attract more senior citizens. Wow. I know where we're going, Pete, the next time you're over here. We're going to Yomiuri. Yes, please. Get yourself down to Yomiuri Land. I didn't know that. I've been to... Um, of those four newspapers, I've actually been lucky to feature in three of them. I've been in the Yomiuri, the Mainichi, and the Nikkei. Not the Sankei, though, to my knowledge. And Yomiuri... Too highbrow. I'm not, yeah, I'm not worthy. <laughs> the Yomiuri Shimbun, they have a massive skyscraper in downtown Tokyo, just across the road from Tokyo Station. And it, like, it's, mm. it's, it feels very intimidating. You go in and the lobby is like the size of like a football stadium and yeah. it's built in like this kind of brick con it's got like this kind of big huge concrete blocks it's quite an impressive building um but my meeting was held in a very underwhelming and uh boring conference room looking out a window i wasn't impressed but yeah I, the newspapers here do sell big though japan they still love paper um i honestly i don't know why though can you think of any other reasons newspapers still sell so much pete well, I mean, we said it before. The, the, the we have um, ideas about um, Japan being quite uh, futuristic, but uh, the, the fax machine and the and the phone call is very much the uh, the way people get things done. Um, they, they've not moved from uh, from cash uh, to cash to um, to credit cards yet. I imagine newspapers probably yeah. got legs for a little while longer. Yeah, only and a lot of commuting as well. Well, yeah, and only this week I saw finally that I can use my Visa debit card to touch things and pay. You know, like we've had in the UK or anywhere in the world for years now. You just put your credit card to it, it goes beep, and your money's magically gone. We well, finally got that here now. It's very exciting. Yeah, I can there you go. Losing my money very quickly and swiftly. Um, <laughs> but again, maybe it is also because mobile phones, like the flip phones, were very popular for a very long time. I remember when I first went to <laughs> yeah. Japan, smartphones weren't really a thing until about you know until about until a few years ago. Like the, the, the prevalence of kind of like little flip phones that didn't have all of the features couldn't um, give you a newspaper mm -hmm. in your hand. But uh, obviously, um, they, they'll probably find it quite difficult moving forward. But you still have like um, kind of idle newspapers. You know, newspapers um, uh, um, uh, obsessed with um, AKB 47 and bands like that um, that are released pretty regularly. So, you know, this is still be a market for them. Well, and they still have a lot of CD sales here, right? Japan's one of the few countries where people still buy mm. CDs. And going back to idol groups, idol groups encourage uh, their audience, their fans, to buy multiple CD copies because in each CD you yes. get like a little voucher to shake their hand. And uh, a good friend of mine, <laughs> Ian from Jenny Cross Japan, I think, told me a story of how his friend worked as like a bouncer at one of these concerts for a, a big idol group. And one guy rocked up with like 300 vouchers and just shook... <laughs> 
one of the idol girl's hands for like 20 minutes half an hour and there's a guy there <laughs> one of the bodyguard guys is to like time it with a stopwatch he hits the start button and he's watching to make sure your handshake is precisely within the limit and he was just standing there for like 20 minutes just watching the clock tick down but this did, guy must did he have, have to so sort much. of disengage did he have to disengage from the handshake and then go in again for the next 30 seconds or could he just roll it in it was a continuous like never-ending handshake can you imagine horrific that? It is horrific. horrific. It's truly horrific. But that's why I say uh, CD sales are still a thing. And going back to the flip phone, just the other day I was in a taxi and uh, the phone rang for the driver and he picked it up and I was, which is always a little bit worrying. Uh, but he was an old man. He must be in his mid-70s. And it turned out to be a flip-out phone. He flipped it open. He sort of whipped it like that. And he went, Untenshuda. literally, I'm driving. He f- and he flipped it shut again and tossed it on the seat. <laughs> it was very cool. Um, and I wish I had a flip phone. Oh, I don't have a flip pretty phone. That's badass. They are pretty cool. Well, they're coming back. The Galaxy Flip is here. Flip, flip. The one with two screens on it that turns like two mm. screens that become one. Yeah, it's like an old Razor, isn't it? And the Razor Motorola one. Count me in. I'll have one. Uh, so this week, guys, 12 reasons not to move to Japan. We've got a list here of 12. Uh, Pete is going to grill me on each one, and we're going to discuss each one on the list. So important point, mm. this topic, I didn't really uh, – uh, my plan isn't to, like, put people off moving to Japan. I'd never do that. I mean, this, the Abroad Japan channel is all about encouraging people to come to Japan, sit for yourself, whatever. But I don't think it's for everyone. Honestly, I don't. And I know that – most of my friends back in the UK probably wouldn't necessarily like living here. Um, so it's all about that. And I've, you know, made 200 videos. We've done 100 podcasts promoting Japan. But while we kind, we kind of open-minded in the podcast about talking about some of the negative sides of Japan, I'd not really done it in a video before. So it was a little bit scary doing it this week. I thought there'd be like a backlash. I thought people would be angry. I thought there'd be loads of Japanese comments saying this isn't acceptable but actually it's been a good response so i think it's encouraging so what we got on the list pete let's dive in i'll, I'll have to leave some more comments then if they're all broadly <laughs> positive oh, um, right yeah, number one no personal space people getting up in your grill on the tube on the metro walking down the street there's just too many people in such a small space absolutely and before we crack on i'm going to open my Alcohol. Is it? Am I an alcoholic? Whoa, Pete? Whoa, Whoa, steady. Well, you're usually drinking coffee. You've gone from coffee straight to high, high borrows. Unbelievable. It's, this is a lemon sour. This is like a, it's, it's essentially like Japanese style vodka with lemon and honey. And I've, I've got a worrying addiction <laughs> to it. Loose? I've had this for the last four nights in a row because I'm a bit burnt out from editing Journey Across Japan. And yeah. it's turning me into an alcoholic at a rapid pace. Well, but- I mean, Chris, I mean, they, they always say, if, you know, if, you, if you're really busy at work, <laughs> if you're really exhausted, why not consider alcoholism? That's <laughs> what they always say. The energy boost that is liver problems. In my defense... <laughs> It is only 3%. So can you be an alcoholic right. if you're drinking only 3% alcoholic beverages? Depends on how many, mate. Depends on how uh, many. Let's not get into that. <laughs> All right, no personal space. At this point, I put it on the list. And yeah, you're quite right. Trains are packed. But for me, the the main aspect there was Japanese apartments are very um, mm. they're small, which isn't necessarily a problem. Like you find living in a small space, it's kind of cool. And even now in my 30s, I don't mind it. What I do mind is this noise here. Get ready. Can you hear that? Oh. That's, that is the sound. Who's, of a who's paper next door? Who's, what have you heard? It's someone <laughs> knocking back at someone in your house. <laughs> it's not that like. Help. Last week I heard 
a couple. I don't. I can't remember which side of the house, the apartment they were, but like, I heard them shout mm. for like an hour. And mm. you just hear things through these damn walls so clearly. <laughs> because obviously, mm. while the apartments are small here, and you are going to be spending like $1,000 a month on rent, it's more yeah. just the fact that when I have friends come over past like 9 p.m., uh, if they laugh too loud, I'm like, oh, it'd be better quiet for the neighbors. Or mm. if I want to watch Die Hard, I've got to put headphones on, God forbid. Headphones <laughs> for watching Die Hard, it's awful. And so like just being noisy past like 9 p.m., you just feel like you can't really enjoy your yeah. own space. And that yeah. really does get to you. And I think for a lot of people, that would drive them mad. I know it drives me mad, but could you live in such an environment, Pete? I know... I, I mean, think you if, did I live, think in, if I lived alone, in London I'm, before. I did, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm quite a quiet person. I'm, I'm not someone who's going to, you know, start blasting out stuff at, at all hours. And I, and I do. My parents, for example, they walk around and it's like a bloody silent disco in their house because they're just <laughs> constant. They just they just listen to their um, televisions with like wireless RF headphones, so they just dot around the house. Um, and when they try to get the attention of the other person, they really have to shout because um, the other person's invariably wearing headphones, which really makes me laugh. But um, so yeah, it's. It's yeah, it's it, it's not ideal, is it? But I, I've lived in a small place before. But as, and as long as I lived by myself, it, it wouldn't be a problem. But yeah, if, if you if you've got people to the left, right, underneath you, above you, I mm. mean that is difficult. If, if indeed you can get an apartment, we're going to move to um, point number two. Um, mm. It's difficult as uh, a guy, Jin, to to even get an apartment. It's certainly way more expensive, isn't it, Chris? Yeah, I had like I've had uh, two or three friends move apartments in Tokyo this mm. last three or four months and um, they've all had the same problem and I had it too like when I the good news is when you come to Japan you'll end up living in uh, probably an apartment that your company's got for you so in my case on the jet program jet got me an apartment and it was pretty cheap it was only a hundred dollars a month uh, subsidized the miracle of subsidized apartments but um, <laughs> when I moved to Sendai it got a bit more complicated I did have to look for one and I didn't have much luck. And uh, the reason behind that is Japanese rental agents often tell the sort of the uh, landlord not to rent out to foreigners because they're a flight risk. And uh, apparently a lot of foreigners on the last month, they just skip town and don't pay their rent. Right. Okay. Allegedly. Allegedly. And I've heard mixed statistics on that, but um, you can you can decide. So if, if you are a landlord, Pete, and you've got an apartment, you want to rent it out and you go to a real estate agent, there's a little box you can tick saying no foreigners. And from that point on, no foreigners right. can can stay there. Um, so I, re- I even read a, a statistic, I think, on the, in the news just this week that nine out of 10 apartments in Tokyo don't allow foreign residents to rent there. And there are some ways around it. Like you can get a guarantor, like a, a Japanese person, a Japanese friend to be a guarantor or a company who will vouch on your behalf to pay for the rent if you decide mm. to fly back to Hartlepool and not pay your rent. Uh, but even then, I've had a lot friends... Of, a lot of direct flights. <laughs> direct flight, Tokyo <laughs> to Hartlepool. It's yeah. the flight that needs to happen. God, God that would be fucking <laughs> jarring. Um, one hell of a culture shock. It's going from Tokyo to North England. But um, it's, uh, it's a problem. Like, I've had friends that have got turned down by guarantor companies. Like You can pay some sort of monthly insurance to get a guarantor company. But even then, it's no guarantee of... Um, of getting anywhere. So yeah, you are going to experience discrimination. I got turned down by at least two apartments in Sendai. I had to get Riotero to actually help me out, um, which is, 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 it's the first demeaning, isn't it? Demeaning. (laughs) It's a sad day, isn't it? It's a sad day. Got you by the curlies, hasn't he? Got you by the jaffers. It's terrible when you have to turn to Riotero for help. It's certainly, 
It's awful. It's certainly something that um, that, that, that people in, in, in the UK are experiencing. It's certainly at this point where no one's got any cash. Um, landlords are really careful about who they who they uh, who they rent out to, mm. um, and 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 of course, as with everything in in, in this sort of um, arena, it. it um, it's not, you know, the, the people who are kind of, you know, uh, you know, the, the normal kind of populace in in Britain uh, that are affected the worst. It's it's mm. it's immigrants immediately. You know, people who have come here mm. to escape war, to escape famine, to escape whatever, and and because they don't have any connections in the country, they can't have a guarantor. And people are and landlords are asking for like, you know, the best part of six months yeah, worth yeah, yeah. of rent, and then another six months to to complete your your your. your in the home, and and obviously, who who the hell has that kind of money? Who the hell has that kind of uh, investment in? in well, a yeah, home? especially when you're renting. Certainly, may be more sympathetic. Um, obviously, I'm not fleeing war, uh, but uh, I, I, I I'm kind of sympathetic towards them uh, a lot more now, or more empathetic rather now that I understand what that kind of feel like. But um, you know, another point is you do have to have a lot of money as a deposit. Like you have to play this thing mm. called key money in Japan, which is dreadful. It's like you have to pay two months of rent as like a gift to the landlord. Yes. So if you're the landlord, Pete's apartment, and I'm the tenant, I have to pay you, you know, could be as much as $2,000 if we're paying $1,000 a month rent mm. as just sort of thank you money. Money, even though I'm going to be paying you for the next year or two of rent, <laughs> you get a bit of thank you as well. So it's honestly yeah. ridiculous. So it's costly. It's, a it's discrimination. <laughs> it's, it's not rubbish. right. It sucks. <laughs> so apartments, and it's a big turn off. We're going to carry on our list in a moment, but first, quick ad break. Bernie Katz was fun, he was kind. When he walked in, the room just lit up. And there was something magical about this young man that just had a glint in his eye, that didn't give a shit about anything, but loved everything. My first impressions were of a huge, vibrant and outgoing personality, all hugs, grins, extravagant language and wild attire. Always in a leather skin jacket, whirling around like a windmill. I know, it's a character. I don't know if those people exist anymore. They're sort of dying out. Everything's changed. It is a bank holiday weekend in London, the late summer of 2017. The streets around Kentish Town, just north of the city, and halfway towards Hampstead Heath are unusually quiet. That evening, in a small, converted flat, just a 15-minute bus ride from King's Cross Station, Bernie Katz, pocket-sized and long-standing front-of-house manager of London's Groucho Club, is found dead by his landlord. I said to him, what happened? You know, and he said, we are not talking about it. And yes, there have been the rumours. We've all heard. I mean, what did I hear specifically? That he was murdered. His relationship with his father was so toxic. He hated the idea that his son was gay. His right. dad was a proper gangster. Bernie came down, there was a car far from. Guy blows his dad's head off. They were all part of the same fetid, seething, self-referential Nestor Vipers, I think, the have become. Was Bernie depressive? I think yes. When alone, a condition he rarely sought, he had demons that flew about his head. I get a call from Bernie and he is in £20,000 of the debt with the Albanian gangsters in Soho. We all collected and paid the debt. The way that the Albanians operate is very, very 
peculiar because they did not operate like any other mafia in Europe. I've never been able to establish exactly what happened and why, but whatever it was, it was so wrong. Bernie, who killed the Prince of Soho? Listen now. A Stack Production, available wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, and to make uh, the money for the um, apartment and the rent and the mortgage, mm. um, you have to work, and work you shall over time. The work environment is frequently difficult. You frequently don't have much time off, and you've got to work until 10 p.m. a lot of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, So the point number three, yeah, work environment. Basically, I think only half of... Uh, most Japanese people only take 10 out of their 20 days of holiday leave, only taking 50%. I think it's the lowest in the developed world um, for that. And the reason behind that is if you do take your holiday leave in Japan, uh, all of it, then you will look bad at work. Your boss will pass you over for that promotion. You'll not be seen as a team player. You'll be seen as letting down the team by going off to Hawaii. Mm. Unless it's a good reason, like a wedding or a honeymoon or something like that. If you just want to take the day off and use your holiday leave, you will be ostracized for it. It comes at a cost, um, which is very stupid and counterproductive because it's important to obviously take time off and not be burnt out, which mm. people are because they are expected in many cases in Japan to not leave the office until their boss has, right? So you'll be sitting in the office thinking at 7 p.m., oh, God, I really want to go home now. But if your supervisor, your manager's there, you won't go home necessarily. Like, there's that pressure to stay on no. until they've gone. Um, because they're, if they're putting in the effort, why aren't you kind of thing? Uh, mm. That kind of culture exists, which is very different from the UK where 
I remember every job I've ever had, I've been very much forced to take my holiday and actually use it. Um, but in Japan, yeah, there isn't that environment. Um, I know they're trying to change it, but it's not good. Like you have to show a great degree of loyalty to your company here. And I have friends that are expected to go into work at a moment's notice or expected to answer um, emails and phone calls relating to work on the weekends and the days off. And above mm. all, it's just hard to get days off uh, as well. So yeah, work environment, it isn't great, particularly in a medium to large Japanese company. Uh, if you want to get yeah. around that, work for a foreign company in Japan that's got kind of foreign practices or a smaller, more entrepreneurial forward-thinking company. I think that's the best way around it, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I will sort of group these two together. Um, point yeah. four and point five, goodbye independence and standing out. What's that all about, uh, Chris? Well, good, goodbye independence. Obviously, when you come here, you're going to need a lot of help to get things done. A language aside, mm. I mean, the language is one key factor because even if you do learn how to speak in Japanese nice and quickly, the writing takes years, you know. And so to get <laughs> things done, whether it's a phone contract, a bank, a car, you need to be able to read kanji, you need to be able to write kanji. And you can't do that. Like, I don't really know anyone who's able to do that on their, the first day they move here. So in my first year, it was debilitating not being able to do anything. You know, I had to always ask for help, even using my bloody microwave. I... Didn't know what was going on there because it was all in kanji and it was nightmare. I even cook my microwave lasagna, which is the cornerstone of any healthy diet. Um, exactly. So, yeah, independence goes out the window. If you're someone who doesn't like to ask for help, it's not going to be a fun first year or two. Although the good news is if you do make friends here, hopefully you can draft them into helping. And uh, Natsuki and Ryotaro have been been very useful. Ryotaro in mm. getting the apartment and Natsuki helped me sort out my car insurance and he's never let oh, me forget it. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> every time we do anything, we go out for dinner, he's like, who's paying for this? I'm like, oh, I don't know. He's like, oh, he got the car insurance. Oh, okay, Natsuki, <laughs> I'll pay for the, the chicken. And then <laughs> the other one, standing out. Yeah, I mean, another thing is, Japan is completely homogenous, 98% of people here, ethnically Japanese, ethnically Japanese, sorry. And if you don't live in somewhere like Tokyo, Osaka, Kyoto, you aren't going to see that many people who aren't Japanese fundamentally, and you are going to stand out. And certainly where I lived in rural Yamagata Prefecture when I first got here, I had a lot of people staring at me. Like, I'd have a bad day, I'd be walking home from school, and I'd look up at a, a, the crossing, the intersection, and there'd be like four, five, six cars, whatever, and they'd all just be staring at me. And people here are quite good generally. They don't stare. But for some reason, when they're in their car, they, they don't care because they know they can drive away. Right. And that's when people stare at the race. <laughs> but like, you'll get those looks. Like, I've repeat, like you'll go into a supermarket to buy some, some vegetables, some fruits, all the healthy things to go with your microwave lasagna. And there'll be a little kid who will just point at you and scream and start crying. And it'll be like, oh, that's weird. Um, oh, dear. I mean, at the end of the day, you stand out. And if you see another foreigner, if you see someone who's not Japanese, you'll be like, oh, my God, what's that? Uh, just as much as anyone. <laughs> but I think if you're someone who likes being anonymous, who likes to keep their head down, or just mm. doesn't want lots of people staring at them in the supermarket, then um, it's it's a tough one to deal with, potentially. Um, my Definitely. my good friend from Ireland, I remember we went to the supermarket once and someone came over to him and said to him, where are you from? And he said, oh, I'm from Ireland. And he was like, Iceland. Oh, Sigur, it's so cold in Iceland. And he was like, no, from Ireland. <laughs> oh, Iceland. Yeah, I love Iceland. And 
just because he was foreign, this guy just came up to him and uh, interrogated him on the the weather system of Iceland, even though he's from Ireland. Well, there you go. Um, well, Ireland's yeah. also quite chilly, to be quite frank. It is. Um, <laughs> so you're always going to stand out. Um, but And that kind of ties in with number six as well. Old-fashioned thinking. People, uh, they, they regard outsiders as being different and never being able to, it being possible that you could assimilate into, into your new uh, society and your new community. But, I mean, th- that does kind of pull japan back a little bit they do have very kind of um antiquated uh, antiquated um you know feelings and ideas about about certain uh, members of the public and, and and certain things well in particular when it comes to women right gender equality is often mm. is not really at all good japan's ranked 120th yeah. Um, by the World Economic Forum when it comes to gender equality. like The point there is, I think, for women coming to Japan to live and work, it will be more difficult um, to fit in, to get the good jobs, to get a good salary. Like if you look in a workplace, women are kind of expected to be the ones that pour the tea at the meetings. They're, they're the ones that are expected to mm. pour your beer and look after you at a work party. Um, and I think that could be a little bit shocking for, for women coming here in particular. But, uh, yeah, I think that... Um, uh, I think, yeah, if you're coming here as a woman, it's a bit more difficult. There is a bit of change going on. You know, the, the Tokyo mayor, Mayor Koike, she's, uh, she's a woman. And the, they're currently looking at uh, having the first empress uh, ever. They're still weighing up whether they can do it or not uh, because the next mm. in line is, uh, is a woman. But, um, yeah, we've, we've had stories over the years on here, haven't we? Remember the um, – was it the head of the Tokyo Creative – uh, Tokyo Olympic opening ceremony, Hiroshi Sasaki, mm. I think, he said that yeah. Naomi Watanabe should be dressed up as an Olympic, as some sort of pig, uh, Japanese, mm. famous yeah. Japanese comedian. And, um, bit strong, eh? Bit strong. <laughs> what is it? I love the way he went. I bet he felt really clever when he was like, pig, yeah, Olympics. Yeah, a little joke. Olympic. Yeah. And everyone, uh, yeah, <laughs> you're going to lose your job. And that was straight after the other guy, <laughs> the creative, the, the 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 actual, like, the head of the Tokyo Olympics messed up by saying, we mm. should have less women in the board meetings because women talk loads and that's annoying. Ha, mm. ha, ha, ha. They were all, they, like, they were already um, in trouble. They're already on, like, high alert for this kind of shit. And, yeah. You know, that's what they, that's what they bring us. Um, I, actually, I mean, speaking of that, we could sort of skip to uh, number nine and then go back, but, um, you know, limit Limited opportunities. If you are a woman, if you are a foreigner, if you are mm. uh, not of of Japanese, uh, you know, if you don't have a passport, it does make things difficult. If you look a little bit different to the, the normal Japanese man on the street, a woman on the street, you know that that is going to limit your um, your assimilation and, and 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 the way you can grow inside the very rigid and very kind of um, again antiquated um, uh, situation that, that, that a lot of people find themselves inside business. Yeah. So absolutely. I mean. Uh, you, you're instantly going to lose out to a native Japanese person for most jobs, unless you've got some sort of inherent um, kind of actual something useful skill. For example, I'm an unskilled worker to some extent. Actually, am I mm. am I skilled, Pete? Am I skilled? Oh, uh, you could be some video. Yeah, editing, skilled. You? I'm yeah, now. Yeah, that. that's, that's right. a skill. That's a skill. Yeah, I can edit. <laughs> but like, I, I came as an English teacher. And I don't know if that's technically skilled, but I had something that you can't get in in Japan, right? Which is a native. English speaker. So that's why English teachers are always, there's always going to be jobs there in that field here. Um, and there are jobs mm. in Tokyo where you can work in things like IT. There's quite a lot of IT workers, video games, interpretation. Mm. But for the most part, it is going to be difficult to maybe bring your sort of career to Japan. Like we get a lot of you guys sending us emails like, can I become an architect? 
in Japan and uh, can I do this in Japan? And it's something like architecture, you could do it, but you'd probably need to be fluent at Japanese first to yeah. you know get up to speed on all the skills and terminology they use here, uh, which is going to take years to get to that point. So I think it's difficult, and I think most of the opportunities in Japan lie in Tokyo. Like nine out of ten of my friends, they all live in Tokyo or big cities like Osaka. If you want to live in the countryside right. and pretend you're in a Hayao Miyazaki film and cycle through the countryside and with a smile on your face that's gonna be a lot more difficult and um a lot tougher to actually make it happen unfortunately the opportunities are a bit limited Mm. well that sort of ties up to uh, number seven romance not just the romance for the uh, japanese countryside but also um finding personal relationships is is very difficult i mean we'll we'll skip over doctors because that's obviously very difficult (laughs) and very paramount if you're in some kind of kind of bother but um romance is a really good point you know you are more than just a job you are more than just going down akihabara and looking at manga and and, and stuff you know (laughs) you're more than that You, you 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 need relationships you need friendships and as with any foreign country, it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult. It's very difficult. Like, uh, difficult. I think, I think there's that perception, isn't there? Like, as you, if you come to Japan uh, as a foreigner, you're gonna people are gonna be like coming at you left, right, and centre to and mm. actually sort of be attracted to you. But actually, I think it's quite the opposite. When I remember we when I was teaching a class once, I was talking to my colleague, an English teacher, about this. And then we asked the students, who here would ever date a foreigner? And like, I think like mm. one person in a class of 40 put their hand up. Like, it's not something anybody actively thinks about here, really. Um, yeah. It's just a lot of stress. The cultural language hurdles, a nightmare. Your parents aren't mm. going to be happy when you bring back uh, Pete Donaldson or Chris Broad from Hartlepool or Maystone to come and date your daughter. Because they're going to think, oh crap, who's going to look after us in thirty years when our daughter's off in yeah. Hartlepool? You know, every every Japanese parent's nightmare, Pete. But uh, yeah. and then they'll and then I'll show them a picture of Hartlepool and then be like, she'll probably stay here. <laughs> Take her to see the Gibbons. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I um, but I I don't think it, it's it's complicated. And beyond that, I I know we talked about once infidelity is is a thing here. It's a it's a bigger problem than I think we would realize in the West, like there's always studies that are like infidelity is not too bad in Japan, but really it's, it's bollocks. It is bad. It's way worse than I know of the UK. Like I, you know, I've spoken to so many Japanese guys about it. And I think one thing is there's just a really good sort of nighttime service for things, isn't there here? We've got the hostess bar culture. You've got love hotels that you can go in easily. You've got soap land, which I don't even know what to explain what soap land is for people that don't know what it is. Go and look it up. But let's just say it's like a brothel, I guess. Oh, yeah, brothel. It's a grown-up bath. It's a grown-up bath. Lots of soap. Bet your, you bet your favorite soaps. They've got it all there. Decadent Japanese soap. Um, but they have this sort of nighttime industry that I think in Japan they don't really consider as cheating uh, necessarily uh, in that environment. But we probably would back home and we wouldn't be too happy if we found out our partners are going to those kind of places. So infidelity is an issue. Hmm. The cultural there's the cultural hurdle there. Um, and I, I mean, I've, I've dated two Japanese women that didn't go that well. It got moving very quickly because there is that expectation mm. here that you have to get married by about 28. They say people here, uh, that aren't married or dating before, uh, that aren't dating after 25 are like rotten fruit, like, sorry, rotten Christmas cake, right. Or something. Um, 
because Christmas cake isn't edible after Christmas the 25th. cake's always rotten. It's just in a, it's in a jar for ages, honestly. It isn't good, is it? But um, yeah, so bear that in mind. It's probably going to be more difficult here to find a partner than it would be back home, uh, which I think is mm. a perception that's uh, opposite to that. I think we think it's going to be easier, okay, but it's right. not. Cool. Yeah, I mean, and and I guess to 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 wrap up the the the, the twelve reasons why that I've definitely watched on YouTube. Definitely twelve definitely. reasons not to move to Japan uh, and and the show as well. Um, we've got you know on top of uh, making friends, on the top of the fact that uh, you know sex and relationships and uh, like you say, the nighttime service is a lot. Of, there's a lot of cheating and stuff like that. Simply because you know there's the there's the overbearing manner of the patriarchy in Japan. It's a very old school society. Mm. Men are king, and and and, and you know men can get up to all, all sorts and, and get away with it. Um, number 12 is, you know, forever outsider. Because of the complicated etiquette, and that, that's at number 11 with, with us, uh, and, and indeed in the video, um, because of that complicated etiquette, because of this perception that you are never going to be able to learn every last thing about Japanese culture, you're always going to be uh, the, the outsider. You will never climb higher than <laughs> your race allows. I think that's, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like You're always going to be a foreigner living in Japan. You're never going to be seen as Japanese no matter what you do, uh, because in Japan it's kind of seen as blood, right? You're Japanese if your parents were Japanese, and yeah, mm. I mean, I, I don't know, I, I still get, you still experience the same things every day, like oh, you can speak Japanese, oh, you can use chopsticks. It's still for me, mm. the way I'm treated now is the same I was treated on day one when I got here, uh, which is a surreal yeah. thing. But um, you know, you always feel like an outsider, even in conversations with acquaintances or strangers they're always like wow what are you doing in japan when are you going home there's this perception that you're not really here to stay and i think that can make it difficult to want to build your life here long term like i don't know many friends that want to actually live in japan forever for that reason because they're never gonna Mm. um move past that point i do you know i but at the same time i do know a lot of people that i do know a few people that are married have a japanese wife have kids and are making the best of it and have had a great life here. And I think the the upside to that is, even though it is a bit annoying, always being this outsider and always being slightly outside of things, it won't necessarily, it shouldn't necessarily get in the way of leading a rich and fulfilling life here in Japan. And I think that's mm. the main takeaway. Like I asked a good friend about this who's been here uh, like twice the length that I've been. I've been here nine years. He's been here double that. And he said, yeah, it can be annoying at times, but I never expected to be Japanese. I've always expected to be this kind of outsider and hasn't stopped yeah. him from building uh, a loving family and having a good work life. So <laughs> that's the main thing, right? Yeah, it sounded like you, uh, he, he, he made it somehow. <laughs> he made the, the loving family. <laughs> I've built my loving family. <laughs> made it out of sand and dreams, Pete. Sand and dreams. <laughs> but that is the list of 12 reasons. Um, <laughs> we did skip over, I think, making friends a bit difficult, but... There's the list. I think if you want to hear more, guys, go and watch the video on the YouTube channel. It's actually a 29-minute video. Um, it's a bit. Wow. Of, it's a massive undertaking. It was an absolute bloody nightmare to produce it, um, <laughs> but it's doing well, and so I'm happy about that. But um, if you want to hear those points in more detail, and if you want to hear any one of those points in detail uh, in an individual podcast or a video, let us know at Podcast at gmail.com. Always open to ideas and topics that you want us to discuss. That's all we've got time for today, though, folks. It's been a bit of a, a longer episode than usual because we talked about the 12 points. Mm. Uh, we'll be back with your questions from the fax machine in the next episode on Wednesday. But for now, check out the video. We've got Journey Across Japan coming in the next few days, so it's all, all hands on deck here. But uh, for now, guys... Have a great weekend. Have a great start to the week. And we'll see you all over again on the Abroad Japan podcast on Wednesday. Bye for now.
You can't see Chris, but his editing eyes are very tired looking. <laughs> but, the, but the alcohol is making it all. Stop happy. drinking the alcohol! Uh. It's never the answer! Mm. in Japan is a stack production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 